my single best piece of advice, I believe, and it was given to me many years ago when I was starting out, is to know who you're talking to. Take 10 minutes and figure out who you're talking to. If you're pitching a magazine or a website or a blog, look at it. See what they've covered. See what interests them. Look at the aesthetic. Read something on the page and understand who your target is. And then if you can, take a moment and look personally at who you're reaching out to. How is the public relations industry changing post-COVID-19? Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your interior design business? Then welcome to Wingnut Social, the podcast specifically designed to accelerate your business through increased social media presence, impactful online content, and translating industry experience into physical success. This is your design business tightly fastened. Now welcome the hosts of Wingnut Social, Darla Powell and Natalie Graff. Hey there, welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I'm your host, Darla Jethro Powell, and I'm joined by Natalie Scales McGee. Scales. As in fish scales. Oh, okay. I like that one. I can live with that. We're recording this on Tuesday. When are you going fishing? Thursday and Friday? Yeah, two days. Okay. I don't want to say... That you normally don't come back with dinner, but are you planning on coming back with some dinner? Or is this just a fun ride? I do see two new reels in there. Yes, I had to buy a couple new reels. Had to? No, my daddy bought them for me. I'm spoiled. You are. Yes, the plan is to bring you some dinner, Mm -hmm. but I would like to remind you, last time we spent the weekend in the Keys, did you or did you not have dinner every night that was fresh fish? Yes or no? Not every night. Because you couldn't (laughs) eat it every night. And did you not have dinner the other night from some frozen fresh fish that was caught that weekend as well? I did. So You're going to make these people think I can't fish. I was a little concerned myself after the last couple of outings. You don't always catch fish, but a bad day fishing is better than a good day at work. Unless you love your work like I do. Well, this is true. And also hate fishing like I do. <laughs> yes, I am having Natalie time. Woo-woo. And I'm going fishing for a day and a half. Natalie. Yes, Darla. Love or hate Miami, we are number one. Number one people that don't pay any attention to yeah, the masks. rules and regulations for COVID. Yeah, mask. That's just a suggestion. You know, we don't want it to mess up our makeup and our do ruin our Miami style. I do believe that they have now strictly enforced that and everybody has to have a mask, even in Monroe County as well. And Monroe County has actually extended it for a whole year. So not until June 21st of 2021 are you allowed to be anywhere down in Monroe County without a mask. Right. So I think people got a little too enthusiastic, like, woohoo, it's over. Let's go out and let's go party. And now some of the stupidity I see, I just can't, I can't even. Come to work with me for a day when I work at the station. And at the fire station? Yeah. No, you'll, listen, you'll see. I was a cop for 19 years. You do not have to tell me. I got called for some really interesting things the other night that absolutely had nothing to do with COVID and no reason. One girl just couldn't go to the bathroom. Tell them about the other call you got. You can say it. The other one was another 21-year-old that had ball pain. I'm like, you really don't want me to look at your ball, dude. Did you palpate? No, I didn't touch him. I told him to man up and go to the car and take himself to the hospital. He probably had a hernia. That's some serious bedside manner right there, boy. You know, it was about the third or fourth call after midnight, so I'd had enough. The reason I bring up we're number one for the COVID-19 is this is something that's a little tenacious. It's going to stick around for a while and how we're doing business, how we're marketing ourselves. And today we're having Courtney Pizarek of Inc. PR Group, and she's going to be talking a little bit about how their approaches have changed with the whole COVID situation going on. And for the, I'd like to say, foreseeable future, but it looks like unforeseeable future. Here's a fun fact. Courtney and I were on a panel together at High Point Market, the one I did with Corey Damon Jenkins with Nick May. 
of the chaise lounge. And I believe Peter Lang and I sat in the back and made faces at you. You did, very successfully. Okay, I may have giggled perfect. once or twice. Of course, even when you're not making faces, I pretty much laugh at your face. But Courtney Pizarik is the founder of Inc. PR. Inc. PR is a boutique public relations firm specializing in communications for interior designers, architects, landscape architects, home and lifestyle product brands to include furniture, accessories, lighting, appliances large and small, housewares, and tabletop. Wingnuts, help me in welcoming Courtney Pizarik to the Wingnut Social Podcast. Hey there, Courtney Pizarik. Welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. How the hell are you? I'm doing quite well. How the hell are you? We are amazingly great. We're doing hot. It's very hot, hot yeah, here. Hot. We're in Miami. As I'm sitting here, I have my shirt raised halfway up and a fan on me. <laughs> I'm in menopause, so I may or may not be hot flashing. So that's how we are. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that Miami's hot right now, like a COVID hot spot. Yeah, we're number one. We're number one. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were number one. I'm in Los Angeles. I could have sworn we were number one. Well, listen, uh-uh. We don't play. Miami's pretty crazy. I don't know. <laughs> we're very competitive now. Don't yeah. We? <laughs> <laughs> right, Courtney, so I was telling the wingnuts, and in the little teaser here, we we're going to talk about you own Inc. PR, which is a pretty well-known PR firm in the interior design space. And in the green room, we were talking about how post-COVID we're handling PR, but boomerang situation, right? There isn't really such a thing as post-COVID yet. It's still kind of during COVID. So we're going to dive into how you're handling things differently and clients differently. Yeah, maybe some suggestions on what designers can do going forward. If there's any tips or anything that you've learned during this COVID, we need to hear them. We're definitely going to get into that. But before we dive in, let's tell the designers listening, what made you decide to focus on design professionals as a PR agency? What's your connection there? I'm always obsessed with real estate. So housing and design has always been something of interest. My firm has been more traditionally lifestyle over the years. So we used to do a lot in the entertainment space. We had tech clients. We've always had lifestyle and we always had designers and architects and home brands. And I ended up getting my real estate license because I thought maybe we were going to sell our house. And I was just kind of playing around with that side of things and excited to have my real estate license and thinking maybe we were going to make a transaction as a family. And I ended up making a transaction for a friend while I was still running my business. And my accountant is like, now what are you going to do with that money? He's like, how can you put it into your business? Couldn't you just make your business all home focused? And it sort of dovetailed with, I had a huge entertainment client. This is maybe five years ago. We represented multiple properties for this large and well-known entertainment brand. And they actually let me go. I was on a family reunion trip, drinking a margarita, sitting in an Adirondack chair, got a call, got fired fired, totally panicked. And it all sort of made sense. Called the client back. I said, you have to give me a little bit of notice here because I have employees that are focused in this industry and I have to be respectful to them. But I knew in that moment I was done. I told the employees that I was not going to do that industry any longer. And I was going to focus on interior design and architecture and home brands. And I was really scared. I thought maybe I was going to sink. And it was the opposite. I actually popped up to the top. And I mean, we've just never been more focused, successful and happier, so much happier. It's funny how that happens. We niche into something that not only do you love, but just niche anyway, and just kind of pinpoint your audience. And you think, oh my gosh, I'm going to leave all this money on the table. But the exact opposite tends to happen. Courtney, you have said, 
said that your PR world is getting smaller. What exactly do you mean by that? I mean, I guess there are a couple ways that you could take that. I think maybe with media, and in a way, the media is getting bigger. I think we used to look at media perhaps as more, there was sort of a traditional media bucket that was our print outlets and that sort of thing. And then we had what we called non-traditional, which used to be more digital. And those lines are fully blurred now. We still covet our print opportunities and still pursue those for so many clients, but we definitely have leaned into digital. It is a priority for most of our clients. And I feel like the digital world has gotten so much larger. So not only are we focused on the bigger titles that have domains and the larger websites, but we work with so many bloggers and influencers that are creating content that share home tours and share our products and things like that. So I'm going to have to disagree with myself. I think the PR world's gotten bigger. (laughs) Well, definitely from a digital perspective, same thing here at Wingnut. We do specialize in digital. We don't do the magazine PR and stuff like you guys, but it is just really where everything's going. And I've mentioned on past podcasts, remember when Architectural Digest used to be like an inch thick? (laughs) Now you get it. It's like the width of a quarter and all their stuff is 80 Pro or it's everything's online now. We even had Kate O'Hare on and she's really reapportioned a large percentage of her marketing budget away from doing some of the print ads into the digital marketing, which when you said you are still doing print ads in magazines or print coverage, I should say, for your clients. Are you still finding that as effective as the digital marketing? As far as print, it's still definitely desirable. We do have clients that choose that first and want us to pursue that. Although we all know it's a very time-consuming opportunity for people and for us. We secure the photography, we put together the details, we share it with the media. Quite frankly, we'll take them sometimes a couple of months, sometimes longer, to decide whether or not they're going to proceed with the article. And then if they do, it could be four months later, it could be six months, or in some cases, 12. We have a significant feature happening for a client this summer. It's actually a 17-page print spread in one of the top shelter publications. The client is thrilled. And back to your digital question, that will result in not only this print coverage that does reach a different audience, but also there's an online story that will accompany it and quite a bit of social media that will accompany that. So I think as far as what clients want, that's obviously a huge win for us. That's a home run for sure. Yeah, a huge home run. You hit that over the fences and the outfielder pretty much just broke his hand on the wall (laughs) on the back (laughs) trying to catch that. The downside for that situation, though, is that the client and all the teams, we have landscape architects and designers and architects and all sorts of people that we, in fact, represent. You know, they've not been able to share that imagery through their social media channels for a year. So that is the significant downside. (laughs) That is a huge downside. I know that we talked a little bit in the green room that we'd like to be in denial here that this is post-COVID-19. But currently, you know, this economic crisis that we're in, we all have to acknowledge the elephant in the room, Darla. Hey, I I haven't been eating that much. (laughs) How has that impacted your brand of public relations in particular? Well, we don't call it post-COVID. I'm trying to call this the post three cocktails and two desserts every day. I hit the point where I was like, (laughs) that has to stop because this isn't changing that much. So I think that was the first month or two where we were just hitting it hard. And all of a sudden I thought, okay, we can't do this much longer. Have you heard of the freshman 15? This is actually the COVID-19. I swear I gained 19 pounds. I came, I came <laughs> up with that, by the way. She did. Natalie 
made that up. Oh, that's cute. That is funny. And I sympathize with everybody on that front. I don't think that we will ever feel like we can call anything post-COVID, but I will say that we spent the first month scrambling and trying to figure out what are we going to do? And I think now we know what we're doing and I think it's working. For that, I'm really grateful. Yeah. Did you have any clients kind of panic on you and like, don't post anything, don't do anything. I just, I need a timeout or I don't feel comfortable marketing or did you have any of that going down? In the very beginning of all this, I guess it was in the middle of March, we had quite a bit of panic. We had quite a few clients that had huge initiatives that were expected to take place during the April high point market. So that was sort of the neck break for us right out of the gate. We heard from multiple clients on multiple levels, everyone sort of panicking, not sure what was going to happen. Ultimately, the teams that we work with all decided to postpone until the fall. So that was the big panic. But it's interesting because now we're heading into the fall and we're pretty much in the same position. So in hindsight, I think we should have leaned in virtually and done it. But nobody knew then. I think now, you know, everyone's as optimistic as we can be. The demand, fortunately, for our brands and for sales is off the charts. It's been incredible. Thank goodness for that. I would say in the first month or two, it was very rocky as far as warehouses were shut down and people were having issues with shipping and, you know, not wanting anyone in their homes to do things. But I feel that we are, I refuse to say the new normal because that's what people call it. But I feel that we are business as usual with our masks on. Like we are making things happen. Our designers and architects, they're working. Everyone's just had to sort of adapt to the new safety guidelines. I totally can see it here on the Darla Palantir side as well. For some reason, it's like an upturn, just a tiny bit. Like people have spent so much time in their homes that they're like, (laughs) oh my gosh, I can't live in this home like this anymore. And I think business has picked up that way. And definitely as far as the virtual and being on the social and getting that out there, I mean, everybody lived on their phones. So the engagement and everything when at the start of this in March on social and everywhere was way up. And we actually, as an agency, we were advising our clients to do the lean in and it's actually paid off really, really well. How easy was it for your team to go ahead and adapt to some of the new changes that you had to make? I think it was pretty easy. The darkest days for me were sort of the last part of March. Every client was pivoting, panicking, picked up the phone, as I said before. I literally, the first two weeks of quarantine, I just, I called every person I know in our industry. And I've been in this industry for a long time. I have so many close friends and people that I work with, but that I really get along well with. And I just was calling people. Everyone picked up the phone, whether it was, you know, a media contact or a friend or a business contact, designers, clients, former clients, you name it. I just literally called everyone that I knew and that I cared about and was like, what are we going to do? Like, what are you doing? What are we going to do? And no one knew what to do. And I really got a lot out of that. I mean, that was sort of, I just felt like I was busy every day, but all I was doing was really calling people. We didn't even know what to say to the press. You know, here we have our clients and we're trying to pitch things, but we can't be insensitive. You know, you can't be tone deaf. So it took us a couple of weeks, but we figured it out. So let's talk about that approach now in the, during the COVID when you approach editors and producers, how have your pitches changed? I mean, have they, I mean, as far as the design side, I guess you have to be a little bit more sensitive about what's working for people during this time. I mean, a lot of home offices and stuff we've seen springing up. Are you getting that basic or here, I'm putting words in your mouth. Tell us what you've done. I think that one of the biggest things was trying to be real with people, you know, and just be understanding that people are losing their jobs. A lot of our media friends that we deal with on a regular basis have either had their hours cut or have lost their jobs. So, I mean, there's that sensitivity. There's also that fear of, is that person still there? How do I reach out and not be disrespectful? That sort of thing. We sent a lot of emails in the beginning saying, you know, I hope you're well. 
I hope you're safe. How are you? And then try to get to the point after that. There was a, a point where the press was really only wanted to talk about COVID. Yeah. Still, though, there's still a lot of that, right? There is still a lot of that. We've had clients that are adapting for their clients, whether it's a home office, immediately putting up a partition in a guest room or whatever it is. If you know you have two adults potentially working in the home and then potentially children schooling from home, there are just so many more needs for people and demands on their space. When we can pull editorial and story points on that, we obviously share those. I think we're a little back to normal on that. And then we also had during the Black Lives Matter movement recently, that significantly altered what we were able to share. It was very, again, tone deaf to start pitching out things that were not relevant to the news cycle. So we've all learned our currency and our value is in our relationships with our friends and our media, really the people that help us, that perpetuate our messaging for our clients, that that's where our value is. So it's the number one priority for me and also the team that works with me is not sending anything that is offensive or tone deaf or out of touch with what's happening. So it's been very, very challenging. So let's dive in a little bit for interior designers listening to this podcast right now and listening to you. I have a firm, you have a firm, but there are listeners out there who aren't quite at the place to engaging our services, right? Professionally speaking, they are not at the budget for that. So say you have interior designers who want to pitch their work or their project. We'll get past the basics of who you pitch and why, you know, and finding that we've done shows on that in the past, but how would you recommend that they change their approach right now to their editors or their friends or their family on a DIY level. My single best piece of advice, I believe, and it was given to me many years ago when I was starting out, is to know who you're talking to. Take 10 minutes and figure out who you're talking to. If you're pitching a magazine or a website or a blog, look at it. See what they've covered. See what interests them. Look at the aesthetic. Read something on the page and understand who your target is. And then if you can, take a moment and look personally at who you're reaching out to. If you're reaching out to an editor, figure out who they are. Where do they they live? Do they love dogs? Do they drink coffee? Do you know, whatever are there ways that you can actually be respectful and not just plug their inbox with your request. Take a minute to be a human being the way you would if you saw them on the street or if you were being introduced to them in person. You know, be personal, figure out a way to connect with them. My team, we obviously review the media target thoroughly and consider our messaging before we reach out. But then also review their social media channels. I mean, today it's so easy to see what people are into. You can literally go to their page and see this person has a cat or, you know, this person lives in the mountains or whatever, you know, just figure out who they are and actually be a decent person and, you know, be respectful. Just say like, I really enjoyed your article about small space living. I live in a small space too. So I'm reaching out. I think as soon as you do that, it just changes the conversation. I think also a reference to their previous writings or articles are, are really flattering as well. You know, if you take the time to read a story that they do on a historic space or, or something along those lines, and then tell them something that you enjoyed or thank them for entertaining you while you read their article. I think that really changes the game. I have to tell you that really works because when I have people who are pitching themselves to be on the podcast, they're in two different categories. One, there's a category where they've never even heard the podcast. They have no idea what we're about. <laughs> that happens all the time. And you get emails like that and you don't really want to be 
but <laughs> you're like, come on now, at least listen to one. And then I'll get the other email that says, oh, I really enjoyed your podcast with Kate O'Hara. I liked how you touched on A, B, C, or D, and or they mentioned me and Natalie, or that you can tell that they at least listen to some of the podcasts. And that is way more likely to get my attention for sure. I'll even forward it to Natalie and say, hey, look, there's she listens to the podcast because we all are human beings, right? We want to be appreciated and recognized for what it is we do. And that makes a huge difference. It's so true. I always tell my team, I say, we're salespeople and we're not selling something that we don't like or we're not jamming things down people's throats. But at the end of the day, we're trying to sell the messaging and the imagery that we have. The fact of the matter is we need to know our product and then we need to know who our buyer is. So if we're asking you to be on the podcast, we need to have an idea of what we're doing. And the goal for, in my opinion, I want my team to help the media. We help you guys. If you're an editor and you're looking for products in the Pantone blue of the year or whatever the shade is at the moment. What do we have? Like, can we help you fill your pages and create the content that you need to finish your job and move on to the next one, right? Music to my ears or to anyone's ears who's looking for content. I know that we touched a little bit, Courtney, on High Point and what's going on at High Point and are we having High Point? Are we so far it? we are. We're having High Point. But as far as virtual events and webinars, do you see that they might be sticking around and not so much of the panels and everything that's going to happen? at High Point in person that they're just going to strictly keep it to shop, go away? Are we webinared out yet, though? I don't know. I'm asking the expert. I say, no, we're not webinared out. I know that we are constantly producing programming for clients on the web and it's well attended. I know that I'm tuning into other people's webinars and I know that I'm taking notes and I'm learning new things and I think that we're not and I think it's just not time. As far as will High Point happen, I've actually been having a lot of conversations. We deal quite a bit with the markets. I try to attend. We love to go. We love to see the people that we're friends with. We see clients there. We have a good time. We network and we're in and out. I don't think that I will attend in October. I don't think it's going to happen for us. High Point is for sure happening. They've spread it out now over a few weekends, it looks like. So based on region, I'm sure everyone knows this by now. I mean, I don't know if the audience knows it, but I did see that. Yeah. And I think that people will go. I think that there are people that need product and that they need to see the product and fulfill needs for their clients. And I think those people will go. I think from the media side, there are market teams that will go. I've spoken with some high profile file market teams. They're fired up. They need product. I mean, this is what they do. They want to see it. So I think it will happen. I mean, do I think that the glamorous, or I guess nothing at High Point is that glamorous, but will the parties happen? Will the networking happen? No. I think people are going to wait in lines to go into showrooms and I think it's going to be challenging, but I think people that have work to do are going to go and they're going to get their work done. You have to show client stuff. You got to keep making that bank. Just touching on the webinars and the virtual events yet. I do agree with you. I don't think we're quite webinared out. In fact, we just recently held our own webinar at Wingnut, which is pretty good. So I do foresee some of this, even when we get to a true post-COVID-19, the virtual and the webinars sticking around. But do webinars and virtual events actually have a place when it comes to PR, where would that fit in, if at all? Or is that just more just from a business aspect? Yes, I mean, absolutely. So going into High Point, as I said, we're working with the main marketing teams to plug our clients in. We're still doing the Instagram takeovers. We're setting up panels. That makes sense. So they'll be part of the official markets. As far as webinars, I have quite a few things. I mean, there are some products and brands that we work with. And then I actually have one client that we started working with in April. She's a designer named Genevieve Trout. 
Drowsdale and she worked with Timothy Corrigan, so very established designer she worked with for many years. And she's been on her own for the last four years. And she's launching something called Circophiles that's happening in the fall. And that's going to be an online portal and resource for interior designers where they will actually be invited. It's a very select group, but they'll share their resources and connect with each other on a very granular level where they're actually really working as a team and helping each other find things that they're missing and really collaborate. So with that client in particular, we have been focused almost completely on webinars. So since April, we have been doing a series called Save Our Suppliers. And the goal of that was to connect with our dear designer friends that are desperate to shop and then connect with brands that we know are desperate to get in front of designers. And we've been hosting almost every week, which has just been fantastic. And it's very nuts and bolts hour to an hour and a half conversation where these makers get on and show their products and say, you know, this is new. This is what I have. This is how I can get it to you. And when obviously a couple months ago, it was very much in demand because people weren't able to get things. And we really did break down some doors. Now we're sort of shifting that focus. Another example of webinars and how they are having an impact with my life is a group that I'm personally a co-founder of a group called Calm Collective. It was born from a, a virtual happy hour late in March and quarantine had just started. We're seven PR professionals. We were on a happy hour call. They're all East Coast time zone and I was on the West Coast and they were all drinking. So I'm like, I can't leave them <laughs> hanging. So it was, you know, one in the afternoon on a Tuesday and I was having a glass of wine. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. There's no judgment here. Exactly. But the fun part was we actually all connected and we formed now what's the Calm Collective and we have been doing programming every week and that has been fantastic. So we have all come together as a group to decide what sort of issues are people having, what sort of things are happening in our industry that people want to hear about. And then we each take a turn producing our own program. So we've been able to use our media contacts to have a high profile moderator every week. You know, we've had editors from House beautiful, good housekeeping, design milk. Across the board, we've had really incredible people that are joining us and hosting these conversations. And to be quite honest, during non-COVID times, we wouldn't be able to get this participation without sponsor money. So it's amazing that they really see the value right now in networking and getting into the space with us. I love that. That sounds amazing. How does one go about finding that again? If we wanted to watch, you said it was restricted or that's not the restricted one? No, this one is not. So it's Calm Collective and we're on Instagram, CO. MM underscore collective. Yeah, we host a webinar every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern. And it's on Instagram. Anyone is invited to join. And what's exciting is the numbers of people that are joining us on a regular basis are larger than if our dream supposedly would be maybe at High Point Market in the spring that we would actually host a live event, right? Or something in person. It's interesting to see how many people really do show up for us. So do you see this sticking around even when this is all said and done and everything blows over to do the webinar situation and have a virtual presence? Or do you think people are just going to slowly taper off for this? Or is this the new normal? I think you better watch your back because we are going <laughs> to start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, there's plenty of room in the space. There's no shortage. And I'm always a firm believer in a rising tide lifts all boats and all that kind of jazz. So that'd be amazing. Yeah. So that is sort of our decision. We're working out the details, but we're going to partner with someone that has a history and a passion for producing. Right now it's on our website and it's also on our YouTube channel, but we have plans to roll it into something a little more official. So I think it'll stick around. 
That's very exciting. Please put me on your email list and let me know so I can listen in as well. Courtney, you've given us some terrific insights into the PR and the new normal and I think what's going to stick and maybe not stick. And I think most of it's going to stick. But now I have to ask you if you're ready for the What Up Wingnut round. I'm ready. Now it's time for What Up Wingnut. Wingnut. If you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be and why? I would be a canary palm. Do you guys know what those are? The canary palms, they're beautiful. Because I don't know, I love the beach and I love actually the Santa Barbara area and we spend a lot of time up there and that's what I would do. What would the hashtag on your tombstone be? That one is easy. Where's my phone? (laughs) I love it. If you could have only one superpower, what would it be and why? Fly. Why? Because I love to travel. And I think when I was younger, I used to be afraid to fly. Actually, I used to be afraid to fly as a young adult. I was terrified to get on an airplane and I forced myself to do it. And it's changed my life. You can't keep me out of an airplane now. I love traveling. So if I could do it by myself, that would be even better. I love traveling, but I'm a white knuckle flyer still. I'm not as bad as I used to be though, right now. No, no, she's gotten better. Much better. Much better. I just drug her. (laughs) I get nervous too if there's turbulence. I don't love it, but it's one of those things that I know scares me and the payoff is so big. I got to do it. I hear you there, sister. Last but not least, please recommend a book that has had a profound effect on you either personally or professionally. Ooh, I know. That would tap on that travel note that I made. There's a book called Hotel Pastis and Peter Mayle is the author and it is just a silly book about a crime that takes place, but it's all set in Provence. So in, you know, in France. And it is amazing. And it actually inspired a wonderful vacation that I took with my family last summer. And that was Hotel Pastis. And you said it was silly because you had me at silly. It's very silly. Yes. So it's sort of it (laughs) follows a couple and there's an older man and there's a crime. So it's a little bit of a detective type thing, but it's also just very romantic and fun. I love it. Sounds like a nice escape. It is. I mean, they just describe the countryside. I don't know if you've ever been to Provence. I have not. Everyone should go and try to live there because it is breathtaking. Hear that, Natalie? Courtney, thank you so much for joining us on the Wingnut Social Podcast. Please send me an invitation to be on your podcast when it comes out. I'm making you here in front of everybody. I'm bullying you to have me as a guest. Oh, darling. <laughs> I absolutely will. Thank you guys so much. This was so fun. I always laugh at the name Wingnut. And I think, where did that come from? That's my nickname. Because I have such bad ADD. You haven't heard the story, Courtney? The story was when Darla was a young cop back in the day, she would go to calls and her- I used to be a cop, by the way. Yeah, her friends that she used to work with would be like, where'd Darla go? Because Darla would finish the call and be like, oh, a squirrel. Oh, a dog. Oh, this. And they're like, Darla, you are such a wingnut. Your attention just goes. And that name has stuck with her for- Yep. 20 years. My friends call me that instead her of Darla. Her friends actually call yep. her wingnut. Yep. I have a 12-year-old son and we call him a wingnut all the time because we're just like, are you, what are you doing? Yeah, there's something I've been meaning to tell you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Courtney, please tell the wingnuts listening where they can find you and all your awesome sauce and we will bid you adieu. Our website is inkprgroup.com and it's spelled I-N-K. Instagram at inkprgroup and you can call me. My number's on the website. <laughs> All right. Sounds amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. You have an amazing week. All right. Thank you guys so much. Have a wonderful week. Darla Jethro Powell. Yes, Natalie and Giraffe. I took away something. Suppliers were wondering, how are we going to get our stuff out there? What are we going to do? How are we going to make it happen? And you were giving me a hard time in the intro about buying new reels. And when I went yesterday, I decided that, hey, I'm going to shop locally and I'm going to go to the local bait and tackle store and buy my reels. They didn't have any. I had to go to a larger 
big box store down in Alamorada to get my reels. And do you know that their supply is so limited that they said because of all of this COVID, the actual fishing industries are so far behind on production that this translates over into where are we going to go now with production for furniture and furnishings and lightings for interior designers, what they don't already have in stock. Maybe it's something we should have a podcast about. There's not going to be any inventory of a few items that have been totally affected by the pandemic because warehouses and factories, they're not able to manufacture what it is. What is the podcast going to be on? How to make a sectional sofa out of popsicle sticks and cotton balls. <laughs> You're a I am a Okay. You should know this My better than anyone. My point was yes. that... We could possibly see in the near future that it is going to be harder for interior designers to get their hands on things that they want because they are so far behind in production. But what Courtney's done with this webinar is she's actually brought in the suppliers so people still know, hey, we're still here. This is how we're going to get the product yeah, to you. That's this important. is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. So I think interior designers should definitely tune into that webinar because just as a consumer for fishing reels, I realized <laughs> that, hey... Buy what you need now, because in a month, it's not going to be there. Just what I was going to say, I don't think we've seen the worst of it. I think this is going to take a while to build up. So I think like some of our previous expert guests on marketing and PR have said that really uh, things are just shifting more towards digital and we see some stuff that's going to stick. Like people are really starting to learn how to do the visual stuff, the video, the webinars, the virtual stuff. And I've talked to several interior designers. It's hair to stay for a lot of it. I mean, why drive an hour to a consultation when you can kind of vet and get a vibe for your client if you guys like each other from a virtual consultation? Save the drive time, the gas, the electric, if you have an electric car. And you can still pick up the old-fashioned phone. But from a PR standpoint, just to be very mindful about not being tone deaf, I think that's really the biggest takeaway you can have is not to say something that would be insensitive or something that would just rub anyone the wrong way with current events. And whether that's COVID-19, Black Lives Matter, the murder hornets and the alien invasion that's upcoming, just keep that in mind when you are pitching what you are to magazine editors, online magazines, etc. And I will say that personal approach is so freaking impactful. I mean, I'm in marketing and I know what's going on, my ego cannot help but say, oh, they like the podcast. Um, Let me have them as a guest on. (laughs) So that that absolutely does work. People want to know that they're more than just a ticket to an end. And don't worry, we have six more months and this year will be over. I just got a shirt today, (laughs) a t-shirt that it said 2020 and it had like five stars across it, but only one of the stars was checked off and it said would not recommend. (laughs) That's my TikTok t-shirt. Oh boy, Darla. All right, guys. So if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever the hell you're listening to this podcast on. Follow us on social on every existing social media channel in God's universe at Wingnut Social. And if you're having any issues with marketing your interior design firm, or if you'd just like to do it and give it to someone else because you do not have the time, give us a call at 1-877-WINGNUT and we'd be happy to help. And I think that's it for today. Now, you got anything else? No, you forgot that we do other things in the interior design world, darling. So if you need help marketing anything, give us a call. I mean, you know, just saying. Jeez. So long. See ya. You've reached the end of this episode of Wingnut Social, but that's only your first step. Be sure to head to wingnutsocial.com to reach out to us directly and schedule your free consultation with one of our Wingnut Social Media Specialists to take your business from social mediocre to social media master. We'll see you on the next episode of Wingnut Social, your social media tightly fastened.
So I took away something for that Courtney said that that it's about kind time. of uh, you know back off. So, anyways, <laughs> maybe it's, it's, it's a, some some. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Are you having a stroke? I am. Maybe some some. I can't do it. You didn't like any of that, did you? No, I did. I'm just trying to wrap my head around it. Like what I'm trying to, in the Amish, what the Amish is trying to say, the Amish is trying to say that yeah. in another. Sister Clementine. <laughs> You've mentioned Kate. I love times Kate O'Hara. I love Kate O'Hara. She's my spirit animal. You're forgetful. Menopause is a. Menopause is a. Good boy, Mango.